Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, Receiving Forgiveness, Suffering Justice, and Conquering Death. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right, our Come Follow Me curriculum brings us to Luke chapters 12 through 17 and John chapter 11. We are not going to cover every one of these parables, so I highly encourage you to do independent study um, in addition to using this to kind of think about some of these great things that are in the New Testament. We'll start with the story of the prodigal son. We're not going to read the whole thing. It's it's kind of a lengthy section there in, uh, in the book of Luke. But um, we'll kind of talk about the details. There was a man with two sons, and one had a structured settlement, but he needed cash now, just like one of those J.G. Wentworth ads. Um, but J.G. Wentworth was unavailable. So he made a deal with his dad. He uh, got his portion of the inheritance, uh, and he went and wasted it in a far-off country on riotous living. I can only imagine that the father in this circumstance knew that his son was essentially cutting himself out of the family, and that this was sad, but that he still wanted to support him in some way. The point is, And that doesn't have to be super realistic. The main point is, he took it, he left, he cut himself off of his family on his own accord and spent it on riotous living. Um, And eventually a famine came into that far country and uh, he began to want. He got hungry. So uh, he got a job feeding pigs and uh, the husks that he was tossing to the swine, even those, those nasty things that you'd be throwing to the the pigs, even that started to look appetizing to him. And so he finds his humility. He comes to himself and he remembers that even the servants of his father had enough bread to eat. They weren't starving and that that would be a a better thing for him if he went back and fell on his face, crawled on his knees, and begged for mercy. He would tell his father that he was no longer worthy to be considered a son, but at least he would be a servant, and he could not starve, not be in abject poverty. So he uh, returned home, and his father saw him coming a long way off, and rushed out to meet him, fell on him and rejoiced, kissed him, insisted that his servants dress him in a new robe, put shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger, and that they take the fatted calf and have a celebration. What a great thing this was. His son that he thought could have died was back and uh, and 
what a happy occasion it was for him. He celebrated. He he didn't force him uh, into servitude. Well, at the end of the day, the elder son, who had been diligent the entire time, heard all of this music and merrymaking. And he comes in and he finds that his younger son has returned and he's upset. He spent his whole life doing what he should. He's done everything his father has asked. He didn't go off and waste uh, his, his inheritance on riotous living. He didn't throw away his inheritance. Um, and he was, he was upset that he had never received this sort of celebration. Why were they celebrating mediocrity? And his father came out and visited with him and told him that he should be happy. His brother, they thought, as far as they knew, was dead. You know, taking all of his money and, and running off, he had cut himself off of the family. He was lost. And now he was back. And, and he still had value. He, he was still loved. He was still important to his father. And it was important that his son see that. This didn't take anything away from what the elder son was going to receive. The deal that he had was a really good deal. He was going to get everything. That doesn't mean that the father should not be happy at the return of someone he thought had been gone, had been lost, had been killed. Um, I think that's a really important story. And it goes along with some of the other parables that Jesus had talked about with losing coins or the lost sheep, the idea that God rejoices over saving those who are in trouble over uh, those who are righteous who need no saving, being able to bring back someone who's lost. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly rewarding thing for God to extend mercy um, and to extend forgiveness. That, that those are moments that are, that are very rewarding for our Heavenly Father, who doesn't want to lose a single one of us, but allows us to choose what we want. He's, he wants us to choose him. And when we finally do, even if it takes a little bit, even if there's a detour, what great rejoicing that brings. And the deal that God makes with any of us um, there's no need for us to compare our deal with someone else's. No matter who you are, you're getting a ridiculously good deal. You do whatever he says to the best of your ability, even though you can't do everything he says. You just try to the best of your ability. You repent as best you can. You become as best you can. And in the end, you get everything. You offer almost nothing and get everything. Uh, squabbling over somebody who gets a little more uh, at the moment 
is really pointless. And I think that uh, that's one of the takeaways that we should have from this story. Both if we have fallen away, that God wants us to return, and that if someone else has fallen away, that we should be happy if they return. Um, moving away from the idea of mercy uh, towards the idea of justice, Jesus told another parable called the rich man and Lazarus. And this is how it reads. This is in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. So in this story, if we look at the rich man, what was his crime? Some people might be tempted to say, well, it was that he had money. That was not his crime. It was that this person outside of his gates that his dogs knew and, and and had compassion on, earned no sympathy or compassion or help from this man who was in a position to do so. Um, it was selfishness. That was his crime. The idea is that the choices that we make in this life will greatly impact our circumstances in the next. If we pair this story with another uh, story, uh, a parable of an unjust steward, also in the book of Luke, um, I think we can get a little more insight. The, the basic idea behind the unjust steward, this is a man who um, was 
under threat, his, his master was returning to get an accounting of all of his, his uh, things that were under the stewardship of, of this guy who was dishonest. Well, he knew he hadn't done anything. And so he wanted, thinking about this upcoming event, this upcoming reckoning, um, he wanted to have something to show. So he went around to all the people who owed his master, and he took partial payments on um, all of their debts. And uh, and then when he when his master was there, he was able to show, look at all of these things that I've gotten from people who owe you. I'm taking good care of your stuff, which was of course a lie. It was it was a completely dishonest setup that he had done. The moral of that story, though, that's the key in um, in that parable. It's the idea if we can't be good with the few things over which we have stewardship here, well, how can we be good with the rewards in the next life? If even like liars and dishonest people can think ahead, realizing that the choices that they make now will affect their future positions and outcomes. Shouldn't we, who have an understanding of the grand plan of our Father in Heaven, be more mindful of what will happen in the next life? And of course, the answer is yes. And the observation that Abraham makes in the story is pertinent. If the people will not hear Moses or the prophets, they aren't going to hear anybody else either. A sign is not going to convince them. The rich man thought for certain if they saw somebody who was dead, it would change the outlook. But, uh, you know, if, if they can't recognize the truths of the prophets, they will be eager to dismiss truths from any other source, no matter how miraculous. Uh, and that's important. We need to be sensitive to truth the way that God gives it. And prophets and the teachings of prophets in the scriptures have been enough for many people. It should be enough for us. It should be enough for us if we can recognize the truth and understand the importance of making the right choices in this life. All right, this brings us to the story of the actual Lazarus in the book of John, in chapter 11. He lived with his sisters, Mary and Martha, in Bethany, that was not far from Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus knew that traveling there would put him and his apostles in danger. His apostles knew it too, and there was some debate over whether they should go. Um, but eventually, um, you know, Jesus decided he was going to go and visit. Um, and this is, uh, this is the account in John chapter 11. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. 
Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. These passages uh, that, that Jesus taught, uh, he was really like no one else. He was always thinking about a bigger picture and showing that, even though he took compassion on the situation. He knew what was going to happen, but he still went and wept with them. Uh, he knew the suffering of Mary and Martha, and he was moved with compassion. Then the account reads as follows. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. The enthusiasm that the people would have for this miraculous man would provide him some protection from his enemies during the day in Jerusalem, but ultimately not against a betrayer in the dark of night. His power over death would be put to an even greater test when it was him in the tomb covered with a stone. In the end, those who refuse the mercy of Christ, as with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, are left on their own. They are subject to justice. But Jesus continually offers mercy, as with the prodigal son he rejoices when people return, and he has compassion on everyone, even in circumstances where he knows that in the end it will get better. He still has compassion on us. In the end, he is the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in him 
Though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he that liveth and believeth in him shall never die. We appreciate everyone's support of the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will be looking at Matthew chapters 19 and 20, Mark 10, and Luke chapter 18, discussing marriage, the man that lacked something to enter the kingdom of God, and laborers in the vineyard. Of course, continue studying the other bits of the curriculum that we did not discuss today. Continue and study even what we did to cover. And as always, fight on.